The following program is sponsored by Team Reba of Remax Metro East Side and Eric Osnes of Homebridge Financial Services. Welcome to Open House with Team Reba. Each week, Team Reba will be bringing you a roundup of real estate and mortgage news, along with information about the local Puget Sound region, highlighting some of the best and brightest entertainment options, family events, neighborhood highlights, and local business interviews, so you can feel right at home in the Pacific Northwest. Welcome once again to Open House with Team Reba. I'm Reba Hass of Team Reba, Remax Metro East Side. And Eric Osses here from Homebridge Financial Home Mortgage. Happy weekend. Yes, happy weekend back at ya. Yeah, here spring has sprung. We're we're busy. Yes, it has, and most people's sinuses have also been springing quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, I've I've got one of those in my house, a, a extremely loud and frightening sneezer, and uh, and <laughs> it's like, to the point when I hear okay. the, the you know the cat'll be sitting in my lap sleeping, and and she hears the wind up, you know the wind up. <laughs> here's a big one coming. She doesn't even wait for the sneeze. She hears the wind up and like zoom, she's. <laughs> Out That's of there. A smart cat. Oh, yeah. It's got it all <laughs> dialed in. But uh, hopefully you're not all suffering from, you know, from hay fever or any yeah. other kind of fever. Well, I um, know I am, but I got a fever for <laughs> more housing. <laughs> I was just going to say we have a fever in our housing market that has continued mm-hmm. to go, which I'm really glad um, today we've got Randy Branneker in yes. uh, with us uh, to talk about, you know, what what's going on. on Very the, excited to have him back on the show. Yes, for sure. So uh, thank you so much. So much for joining us randy can you tell us well hello thank you <laughs> thanks for thanks for having me it's great to see you guys yep been so, a while we've had you on before yes. and, mm-hmm. and and i love it because we can have so many multiple topics with you it's always around housing yep but it's never the same thing right and it's usually things that get people quite excited right <laughs> but first let's tell, tell us about your company so I, uh, Banneker Public Affairs, I have the privilege of, of working with uh, uh, private sector clients and trade organizations mm-hmm. in our region um, and helping them uh, do something with government or having government not do something for them or yeah. to them. Rather. <laughs> <laughs> That's so such an interesting way to describe it's that. It's offense and defense. <laughs> And uh, I've, I've had the opportunity to represent the uh, Seattle King County Realtors for many years. Mm-hmm. Um, which is how we met. Which is how we met. Ages um, ago. And, and they're doing uh, great work, uh, mm-hmm. really trying to look for opportunities to increase um, uh, the, the, the chance for people to, to buy a house yeah. um, in, a, in a very costly region. Very challenging yeah. region. And, and, and I know our, our region is you know, particularly hit, but, but we have a, a shortage of housing nationwide. Right. In fact, I saw some statistics recently where the demand for housing exceeds the supply nationwide by, depending on who you listen to, anywhere from three to four million homes. Mm-hmm. And right. it's, that's a huge shortage. And we definitely see it here in our market where every, every single, you know, offer we see going in is multiple offers. There's uh, four, five, yeah. six, seven yeah. people Just trying to buy the same weekend. home. Yeah. <laughs> it was a nightmare. Which gets awful frustrating. But right. but you have some some input and feedback on kind of what the core reasons for that shortage are. Well, yes, and 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 that's uh that's not good news. Uh the uh, you know we have uh we have underbuilt 
are underzoned um, mm-hmm. for many years, mm-hmm. and uh, there was a there was statewide research done um, that that revealed, uh, and just looking at King Pearson Snohomish counties, um, that since 2010 uh, we've produced fewer than one new housing unit um, for each new household that was formed. Oh so yikes! Over the course, wait, of, say that again. So, they the the poll looked at. They, they asked um, you. The census tells us uh, about household formation, right? And then they checked. Okay, so let's match that to uh, new housing units created, net mm-hmm. new. Right. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. And that number, that net new housing unit created, is trailing the household formation. By, by what a, it's a it's about 0.8 or 0.9 depending on what county you're in okay but over time right mm-hmm. that's cumulative and and yeah. we started um, with a supply challenge right. I mean we've had we've had a supply deficit for for 25 years really right if, if you yeah. if you say can the median income afford the median priced home mm-hmm. then we've we've been uh, we've been looking at a supply challenge right and so so where that takes you is uh, that we need to be better about uh, uh, monitoring the signals that tell us when it's time to um, increase zoning intensity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is and it the monitoring or the actual action? Well, it's it's you know for because we've known. Well, uh, yes, we you've known those in uh, people who are close to it, and uh, buyers and sellers have known, and uh, professionals in real estate have known. The uh, policymakers, the the data that they've relied on has been incomplete and slow. It hasn't been fresh, and so it hasn't okay. um, given them the green light to say, okay, we need to be serious about. Um, increasing zoning in our jurisdiction. Okay, but okay, because I'm I'm a bit incredulous about this because you can just be seeing life happening right. and no and not need a report. I mean, how many times do you need to hear that the millennial group is bigger than the baby boomers, right. and you know you're automatically not going to well, have enough housing? I would even say you could even look at one particular employer in the Northwest, right. Amazon, which in 2010 had about maybe 80,000 employees. Today has 1.6 million right. employees. Right. Actually, yeah. 1,608,000 uh, at last count. There's almost as many realtors. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Just about. So, I mean, when you see, and obviously those are not all employed in the Northwest, but a good, you know, we have a good mm-hmm. chunk of, of them are. Mm-hmm. And and if we look at the tech sector and everything else, um, why don't we have like the Puget Sound Regional Council and we have some mm-hmm. leaders that are trying to, you know, guide growth in, in our region? We, we absolutely do. Uh, the Puget Sound Regional Council uh, does good work. It does long-range planning. It, ma- mm-hmm. it marries uh, land use planning with transportation planning mm-hmm. and funding. They're the conduit for federal transportation dollars. And we have, uh, within King County, the Growth Management Planning Council. Mm-hmm. The, t- the tough part is that it has been really politically unpopular to take a vote for growth. For growth. 
Mm-hmm. And and so that's that's the reality of the challenge. And what I but what I think is happening is that the problem is getting so bad mm-hmm. that policymakers are recognizing that something needs to be done. Mm-hmm. And the public mm-hmm. at large is recognizing that too. Mm-hmm. Um, the the Seattle Chamber uh, has been doing some opinion research about every quarter. They released a poll uh, in April. And uh, let me just give you a, a couple of, of little uh, high points from that. 82%, and these were among Seattle voters, 82% yeah. of respondents said that they would support policies that made it easier to build new housing. That's a big number, and that's a, that's a number that is, okay. that is grown. Um, new housing in my neighborhood, 66%. Mm-hmm. Which is key. Yeah. Because that's normally where we run into issues is neighborhoods going, but I want growth just but not over there. here. Right, right. You know, and right. you're like, um, that's not possible. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. Now the the now the numbers. The last one I'll throw out at you, the uh, is sixty one percent supported more density in the single family zone. So okay. as you get as you get kind of closer to your house, you're a little more reserved mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but still, um, you know, a strong sixty percent showing is fantastic. Yeah, and, and that tells me that we're ready to kind of face the issue as adults yeah that sounds like a positive shift mm-hmm. yeah. and and now you've mentioned you know a couple organizations that are pro housing pro you know pro growth how are they working with or against some of our local councils and I'll especially Seattle which is clearly anti housing anti you know landlord you know that sort of thing, and and you know the the big concept there is affordable housing. Well, you know a lot of the the rental properties in Seattle are owned by mom and pops. They own mm-hmm. one, two, three right. properties. Maybe they've got an ADU in their backyard, and uh, if you drive them out, you know with with onerous restrictions, then they sell to an owner occupant and you lose more rental housing. And what is that going to do to rents? Mm-hmm. Right. So how how do you how do how how do you work with the the balance of that? So that's that's a real challenge. Um, certainly, uh, Seattle has has uh, just not been responsive at all. It's been, if anything, hostile to that that mm-hmm. small landlord. Yeah. So then that's the regulatory side, and I think the politics of that. It's difficult to see that changing anytime soon. Yeah, um, but well, that's an honest answer. Yeah, uh, on the zoning mm-hmm. side, Seattle has uh, taken a lot of risks, mm-hmm. and um, and I think there's some opportunity there, and there's op- opportunity to uh, to to export some of those risks to neighboring jurisdictions within mm-hmm. the core, and and some of those measures are um, a lot, as 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 we discussed uh, before we went on air. Um, Accessory dwelling units, yeah. uh, allowing that uh, principal residence, the internal accessory unit, and the external accessory unit. Mm-hmm. Um, that that gives that owner a lot of flexibility, mm-hmm. and that creates some mm-hmm. new opportunities there. Now, they're not all ownership opportunities, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I think in terms of testing how a neighbor, uh, 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 what was there, or traditionally the single family mm-hmm. zone, 
testing how that that single family zone can accommodate Mm -hmm. um, those additional uses is a really good thing. It's a really positive step. And what I think that that they will find is it's no big deal. Because mm-hmm. not everybody is going to do this. Right. Right. It's going to be dispersed. Right. And uh, one thing I, I, I reflect on is many years ago, um, there was a city planner giving a presentation to the city council, and they were remarking uh, about the density on Queen Anne during mm-hmm. World War II. And the density was, was I'm going to get the facts, not perfect, but almost double. Um, in terms of residents, because people were opening up their homes to guys that were working at Pier 91. Of course. Right, yeah. Um, Sure, there's rooming houses, basically. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, that's been a common thing for a we got to take a real quick break here, but we're going to be right back more with Randy Banneker talking about real estate in our Northwest area. Stay tuned. And your backyard. Open House with Team Reba on AM 1590. Now, back to Open House with Team Reba. Welcome back to Open House with Team Reba. I'm Eric Osnes here from Homebridge Financial Home Mortgage. And I'm Reba Haas from Team Reba. And we've got Randy Banneker with us. Uh, Randy Banneker, public affairs owner of the company. How long have you been in this business? Oh, about 25 or 30 years. Wow. Yeah, awesome. So you've seen our ups and downs. You got in just after the big billboards in Seattle, you know, with the last person leaving right. Seattle, turn out the lights. Right. And if you remember that in the 70s. It's kind of in between me and you. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're like 35 some years and I'm yeah. coming up on Plus. 19. So, yeah. <laughs> Getting there. We got, yeah, we got, yeah. We got quite the uh, bunch of old timers here in this room. Yeah, yeah. that's that's right. Talk, talk about yourself. Well, we've I mean old we've numbers. seen we've seen some stuff. We have seen lots of stuff. It's it's been it's been a wild ride. It really has. And mm-hmm. and and if you look at the Northwest, we've gone from a a one or two industry town, mm-hmm. you know, to a, a real economic powerhouse. Yeah, and, and a very when diverse I moved powerhouse. Here, just for reference, some of our listeners will rem- remember this. When I first moved here from Wichita, Kansas, which was also Boeing dependent, right. mm-hmm. the housing prices here were the same as Wichita, Kansas. <laughs> yeah. And within two years of my arrival at the end of 89, mm-hmm. we were significantly above them. Right. Because I went from coming here thinking I was going to buy a house with a friend of mine to within a couple of years, we're like, whoa, this is this is climbing out of reach really fast. Mm-hmm. And it's just been continuing since then. And with my mom having done real estate, like she only retired last year down in Wichita. And now they're they're so far apart from each other. It's just outrageous. Well, we're on the coast, you know, and we're Mm -hmm. we're starting to look a lot more like San Francisco when you think about it. And Toronto and a couple of other places. I wish we looked. Actually, Randy and I were talking about this before we went on air. I wish Mm -hmm. we looked a little more like Vancouver. Right. And and you look at, um, and you mentioned, you know, with the light rail stations mm-hmm. and everything, U District Station and Northgate Station, mm-hmm. it's working its way north, it's working its way south. There should be affordable housing all yeah. around there. Walking distance mm-hmm. right. to transit, condo, mid-rise condos or, mm-hmm. you know, high-rise condos, I don't know. Yeah, that's really your opportunity to um, to zone for 50 years out. 
and mm-hmm. enable heights and intensity um, that is appropriate for a, a light rail station. Mm-hmm. It gives people opportunity for uh, market rate affordability in housing mm-hmm. that could be rental mm-hmm. or ownership. Um, and it's just the right thing to do to match the zoning up to this enormous, you know, mm-hmm. multi-billion dollar indor- in, in investment we've made in, in right. region-wide rail. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, Shoreline's doing that, right? Yeah, the jurisdictions, uh, they, they are doing that. Um, I, I just want to cheerlead that just go as big as you can. Right, um, yeah. Because you don't get another kick at that can for a very long time once, right. once something built. comes out of the ground. Yeah. 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 That's actually one of the things that when I have clients buying in like downtown core areas where there are like high rises and things, we always look at like how fresh is that building across the way where you have your view? Because how soon do we think it might actually get torn down and right. rebuilt into something else? Right. right. Depending on the zoning. Yeah. So that's an ongoing issue. Um well, I, I have something else I'm going to ask a little bit later because right right before we went into the break, you mentioned the the comment about Queen Anne and the number of people there and the density because of people renting out rooms. Right. And maybe I will jump into it because we just discussed ADUs, mm-hmm. and one of the challenges, I mean, some of it is has been like you know um, when Eric mentioned Amazon. Like mm-hmm. I know lots of clients and you know friends at Amazon who have taken those houses, had the ADU, and then they're they're sharing with other like Amazon employees, mm-hmm. right? Like they get relocated here, they're renting out rooms, or some people have even bought small apartment buildings mm-hmm. just to rent specifically to you know the people in that employment center. And one of the things I'm noticing though is that because I think this is going to still continue causing part of the issue. And I know it's another thing Seattle's tried to address with trying to regulate it. I don't know how do, how well they're doing it. But then there's a lot of people doing the ADU for the rental income from Airbnb, mm-hmm. not for Short longer term, term mm-hmm. Short which term. is because when I'm, yeah, because I, I, I'm starting to run into this myself with my second house up in Oak Harbor, which is being rented out as a vacation rental and then I found out over time how many of my neighbors have been buying up small multifamilies and then just turning them all into Airbnb units. So it means like here's a military, you know, base with guys who need, you know, affordable housing. But people like me, unfortunately, are starting to buy up the housing. Now that's that's a house for me for the future, also for me to potentially retire to right so i bought it trying to you know set against inflation and and the long-term retirement costs for me because waiting 20 more years is going to be that much more expensive but i'm also then hearing these guys saying yeah it's it's getting hard to even find a place for us to rent because everyone's renting out these places to the vacationers right like i mean I love that we're having this conversation, but these are the things that I think a lot of people aren't thinking about that are happening around them. And so I'm super happy to hear your stats about people saying, I'm starting to recognize this is a problem, you know? Yeah, and I I think as, well, as the short-term rental, as, as, you know, more of those come on in those single-family zones, I I think there'll Mm -hmm. be pressure to increase the regulation. 
on yeah. them and either outright prohibit them or limit the number mm-hmm. of days uh, per mm-hmm. year. Um, because for some people, it's the only way that they can afford some of these mortgages, too. If right. you're not someone yeah. who's got a huge $300,000 base income, for some, that's the only way that they can really get by and not have it become onerous. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's tough. People are having to get creative, right? Um, so mm-hmm. one, of the, one of the things that I think is worth exploring, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on it, is... You know, looking at experimenting with some small size lots that uh, are fee mm-hmm. simple, and mm-hmm. so whereas um, you know in in Seattle we have thirty five hundred, four thousand, five thousand square foot lots, usually five thousand. Mm-hmm. Could we go with twenty five hundred, and, right. and and build some small product there mm-hmm. for ownership? Right. That would uh, that would give people a chance to buy in and start building equity. Now, the so are you going to have to restrict or or regulate the purchasing process like we used to have with some of the big builders, where it was like, hey, we have a cap on investment purchase. Nope, nope. We'd we'd. I mean, I I think you'd try it to let the market behave as the market mm-hmm. wants to behave, but. Uh, because of that smaller lot and smaller square footage for the structure, your cost per square foot won't go down, but your mm-hmm. off you, your offering is a smaller dwelling. Mm-hmm. And could that give people an mm-hmm. entry point that is that is reasonable? Well, it'd be an incentive for builders to build more affordable right. housing. You're right. talking about row houses. It Essentially, townhomes, cottage could, houses. Is what could, I'm hearing. It could look like cottages. It it mm-hmm. may not. It could have a share wall. Maybe it doesn't have to have a. Basically, wall. take those dadus and pop a bunch yeah, of them. Yeah, and 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 allow them to be purchased. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. In have a have the principal uh, structure and then the backyard cottage, uh, as separate lots. And this is where the zoning really becomes an issue too because like if if i wanted to do something right like that now with the city of seattle for instance mm-hmm. i can put an adu in but don't i have to provide certain amount of off-street parking or there's all these additional restrictions i thought they changed some of that mm, though i'm not i think they've they've loosened it up a little bit but but this is where everybody's got to work together right. mm-hmm. you know right. to you know to cooperate right and and that's right and you have to you have to be very careful about checking those restrictions because mm-hmm. they vary widely uh, throughout the region. Mm-hmm. Seattle's right. experimented with some uh, small uh, lot zoning. Um, I just think there's promise there, and mm-hmm. and I think sidestepping the condominium declaration mm-hmm. um, could yes. could just offer some some choices that uh, haven't been there. And and I, and mm-hmm. I think too that we're sort of at we're at this point where we need to try a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we yeah. Can't well, yeah, because I'm with you on that. Because like I've been seeing these advertisements coming across in some of my social media feeds of this like unpack your house like it's a house in a box <laughs> kind of a thing, which is it sounds crazy. But I mean, the and I will tell you younger, I think it could actually go somewhere because like the dadus when we've had people like my cabin on the show mm-hmm. and we talk about what they have to offer because they've gone from like single story to double, you know, two story units. So right. you get more square footage and things like that. But now there's these truly unique methods of building that, you know, it's like, hey, you know, truck it in and get it put on the site and then they unfold the whole thing and pop it, you know, and like, mm-hmm. hey, there's your house. Yeah. 
And I'll tell you, just because of the issues we've been running into it and millennial and younger are much more open to that type of housing now. Mm-hmm. I get asked about it all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. All the time. And they're definitely open to it, especially as a first place. You know, as a single or young couple, they're they're totally open to it as a I just want to get an entry point. Cuz they don't necessarily want to live in a condo with shared walls. I can't tell you how many people in the last couple of years have been buying because they're like, I'm tired of the Airbnb that my neighbor put in that's Mm -hmm. not even supposed to be here at my condo complex, but they're renting. And so they're like, I don't have any say about what's happening, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I just, I, I'm with you on that happening. What, so what do we need to do to get more buy-in? I think it's, uh, talking about it and not, uh, 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 Talking about it so it isn't scary. Yeah. You know? And yeah. and and testing it and looking at those models mm-hmm. um and and really being honest about, hey, I we can we can do this. And I think the same the same goes for um duplexes and triplexes mm-hmm. in looking at and again we were talking about mm-hmm. Vancouver. They've done a good job with um, you know, what looks like a, a traditional large single family home but is a, a duplex or triplex right mm-hmm. right and yeah I we have a lot of canadians come down here like why don't you guys have stuff like this uh, well I can't find what i want of course they're also struggling with foreign <laughs> investors coming in and just right. buying things up and driving right. out the locals which right we have that problem too that's right. true yeah but right. i th- i think we're i th- and 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 vancouver has some other challenges too mm-hmm. um but i think on just that notion of uh, they have they have done a good job of emphasizing just quality design. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. and 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 that's really important because what we don't want to do is uh, go in and 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 harm uh, our single family right. legacy. Uh, no, we don't want blight. We don't want tenements. We don't want more up houses. Right. You know right. that sort of thing. Uh, well, we got to take a real quick break here, but thank you so much for for joining us, Randy. We're going to be right back in just thank a few you. minutes. Got more open house. Open team house Reba. with Team Reba on AM fifteen ninety. The answer. Now back to open house with. Team Reba. Welcome back to Open House with Team Reba. I'm Reba Hats of Team Reba, Remax Metro East Side. And Eric Osnes here from Homebridge Financial Home Mortgage and Randy Banneker here with yes. Randy Banneker Public Affairs. Thanks again for joining us today. Thank yeah, you. Eric. Really appreciate it. Hey, we were talking just before the break about condos and and um, you know, kind of the the job, good job that Vancouver's done with with their density, much more dense city than than Seattle in, in comparison. Um can you talk a little bit about why we don't have more condo projects going up? Sure. Uh, we we still have a challenging uh, condominium liability uh, set of laws that uh, the legislature has taken steps to, uh, to streamline it and improve it. Mm-hmm. I think it still has some ways to go. Um, because it, that there is uh, a challenge with getting condo projects insured. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, if it's again, it's gotten better, but you'll recall pre-pandemic, you saw condominium projects go up, and then mm-hmm. there, uh, as soon as they were, uh, uh, they got their uh, COs, uh, they were covered in Tyve Act because uh, mm-hmm. you know there was a lawsuit mm-hmm. against um, the builder. Mm-hmm. So. Um, 
we've urged that we put a system in place where uh, the builder has a right to cure, um, but mm-hmm. that the building is open and moving and unless there's a truly a fatal flaw mm-hmm. that uh, it doesn't mm-hmm. go uh, into years of litigation. And, and there were some 20, 30 years ago, you know, we had contractors come up, put mm-hmm. the, the uh, drive it, the drive it, yeah. you know, the, yeah. the yeah. fake stucco on, yep. they didn't, they put it on like they were in Southern California, right. hadn't mm-hmm. thought about driving rain from 35 mile an hour winds for days at a time. Right. Mm-hmm. And and there you had buildings actually literally rot out. Yeah. Um, but I don't know that that's really a problem anymore. I don't think so. Uh, I, I, again, I think it's... it's You're talking a, about for that particular kind of construction or the fact we still have... I'm talking about new condos rain. going up. Now, you know, obviously, we have wind-driven rain. Now, we're always going to yeah. have that. Well, but, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. but you know, the the um, construction methods have changed. They've they've evolved. Our inspection processes are right. rigorous. Anybody that's had a building inspector out can can attest to that. Yeah, but most of the new construction still always ends up having something. I'm like, I'm familiar with one in a very high-rise luxury building downtown right now that has they went to try and cure with their builder and now they had to go ahead and do the lawsuit because they're you know even though they've been working on this whole aspect it's not been resolved and i will say it's a big issue because it's around like the windows mm-hmm. and it's a mostly all glass you know, and concrete right. structure mm-hmm. so it's not construction is inherently you know gonna have issues right Especially when you got something that high, that exposed, with all the things that hit it. Right, but with the current laws, you know, we have, I like to describe it as roving packs of lawyers going around trying to convince the homeowners associations Mm -hmm. to sue the developer, even if there isn't anything wrong at the time, because they want to put that stake in the ground so they... Yeah, because they they, lose the right otherwise. Right, they don't want to go past the statute of limitations. Mm -hmm. And, and, and as a result of, of that experience, um, we've seen fewer of those mid-rise condos. Mm-hmm. So we've yeah. seen exactly. we've seen those those towers mm-hmm. uh, in Bellevue and South Lake Union, and and they're great, and many of them come out of the ground without mm-hmm. problems. Right, but mm-hmm. they but are a lot not, of those are apartments though now too. Many apartments, but but whether they're apartments or condo, um, they're not really at an affordable price point or no, an entry level. Price far from point. it. So, so no. again, what we need to focus on is entry level affordability that isn't subsidized because there just isn't the money mm-hmm. to subsidize uh, uh, the, the required number right. of units, right? Mm-hmm. And so we have to get more strategic about how can we create this naturally. Mm-hmm. And the only conclusion that I can come to is a smaller footprint and mm-hmm. uh, and a, and a yeah. streamlined permitting process that enables things to come up quickly. Yeah. Oh, I I love it. So now all and all of our discussion so far is focused on really I don't know, let's call it urban infill. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's increasing our densities. What is the future for big? sprawling developments i know you know there's one out in um you know in black diamond that's going to be i don't know 107 different different developments you know that's a huge one right. you know going up that'll in in the end be in its be its own city you know I, I imagine but um do you see any future for that type of development down the road you know i th- i think um 
a, a lot of us believe in the goals of growth management, which was to um, direct growth into urban centers, into the mm-hmm. urban area, and protect uh, rural and resource lands. Yeah. And I I like that bargain if indeed we enable the growth in the urban centers so there's an adequate supply. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I, I think we have to be careful about um, – you know, uh, sprawling development. I think the what what we don't know is coming out of the the pandemic is how is the work from home versus going into the office mm-hmm. really going to mm-hmm. play out, and how will that influence where people live? Um, it definitely has been influencing a, it. It has been almost uh, every client I work with right now. We have to make an accommodation for one or both people in a couple. Yeah, you know, whether it's a single person or a couple, it's like, okay, how many spaces do you need? Or what kind right. of, well, like I'm helping Eric's son right now. Mm-hmm. And so he's got a spouse that needs to work from home occasionally, but because of what she does, must have absolute privacy because her conversations can't be overheard uh-huh. by the other spouse who works from home all the time. Yeah. Right? So it gets, and they're not the only one. We had another couple last year, the Noyes family. Same thing. I had a HIPAA compliancy issue because she's a therapist. So it's like, okay, we got to get you out of this house. <laughs> right. But but what you mentioned, Randy, though, too, is that when, we're, when you're talking about zoning and planning, you need to be looking 20, 30 years out. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, yeah. a year ago, we were yeah. we were talking about working from home and it seemed like mm-hmm. everybody was going to do it and it was never going to go back and now all of a sudden a year later a lot of businesses are like mm, it's not working out quite the way we thought it would right. you mm-hmm. know we want you back in the office right. so yeah. it, it's 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 come back or the know, combo there yeah or some yeah. sort of a hybrid yeah. well know, i mean because people are looking at that differently because the folks who need more space depending on what that price point is are having to either move further out or they're willing to move further mm-hmm. out. There's also been lots of articles about the resurgence of the suburbs. Yeah. Like everyone makes this assumption that like, oh, we all want to be in the city, but it's like the suburbs have been having a resurgence anyway because the millennials are in that baby making age. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so they are going into those areas. And because of the pandemic and people, you know, dispersing their businesses, it's kind of like back when I was first doing um, manufacturing sales. The company I worked for at the time had distributed offices. And so it's like we're having to just kind of go back through another process of this, of distributed offices. And at some point, they're going to be like, wait, why do we have this much real estate? And then they're going to try and put us all together again. And then, I don't know, maybe we'll have another pandemic in 30 years. And we'll all be like, no, we're all back out into the countryside again. Like, I, who knows? Right. <laughs> who knows? I mean, but it, but it's, it's really fascinating to think about because yeah. you're right. You know, and, and, and in really big cities, um, it didn't bode well for a pandemic scenario. I mean, New York City, mm-hmm. it was really, really bad there. Oh, yeah. Right? And downtown Seattle, but we talked about it on the show. Downtown the, condo sales yeah, dropped. Yeah. But and the now suburbs, the suburbs, um, again, thinking about New York, suburbs did really well. In mm-hmm. Seattle, downtown restaurants went out of business. Yeah. The restaurants in the neighborhood, neighborhoods, they thrived. for the did most well. part, did really well once, once they got... Mm-hmm. Once they got going. Yeah, and once they figured it out. And then also there were people who, I have tons of friends who were like, I don't want to lose the things that are important to me that are in my neighborhood. And they made right. a plan. Like I have one friend of mine, this guy named James, who was like, I ate out every day of the week at the top 
five to seven restaurants I wanted to make sure would survive. Yeah. He's yeah. like, and, and yeah. I, yeah, it's me and my neighbors, we talked about it and we made sure that we were all ordering so that they wouldn't go out of business. Right. Like no, no matter what, you know, which I yeah. thought was amazing. But here's, I don't, I, you guys tell me what you think, but I think um, for some people who said, you know what, I'm just going to move out of town. I'm going mm-hmm. to live on Orcas and, and work remotely and, mm-hmm. and my career will enable that. Mm-hmm. I think a couple months go by and you mm-hmm. want to go to a show, you uh-huh. want to go to mm-hmm. a cracking I'm game. rotary out here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is what you, some of them you are want thinking. stuff going on. <laughs> And I think that's going to draw people back to the city. Uh huh. Well, I also have the other blended. clients who are like, I want my place in the city, mm-hmm. but now I'm finding a place remote. Yeah. yeah. And so Which, we go back and forth. But that goes right back to your small lot idea. Yes. Right. Because if you've got a tiny little place in town, you can, you know, be there while you're working during the week. And then right. you got your getaway, you know, somewhere on Orcas or <laughs> wherever right. it's going to be. Right. And you got the best of both worlds. Right. There. And, and to do that now, um, mm-hmm. there aren't a whole lot of options, Mm-mm. right? No. I no. Mean, you could get a small condo downtown. Um, mm-hmm. Fewer options. For about $400,000 for yeah. about 400 square feet. <laughs> yeah. Mm. That's, yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's, but if you wanted sure. something closer to your neighborhood, I think your options are much more limited there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So. Yeah, for sure. So if people are kind of behind this idea, Randy, is there something that, that our listeners can do? You yeah. Know, I think just pay attention to it and get smart about it. Uh, the, the Seattle City Council did pass a, a, a comp plan re- amendment. They've changed the name of the single family zone to the residential zone. Mm-hmm. And Awesome. That alone yes. just helps change the mindset. It changes the mindset. So, so, but we have, it's going to be up to us to articulate how that works or how that mm-hmm. should work, what works about it, what doesn't work about it. Mm-hmm. And again, because we, I, I think the integrity of the neighborhood is just critical. That mm-hmm. Each neighborhood has its own character mm-hmm. and we don't want to lose that right. at right. all. I don't well, think we're we like New York. To. I mean, New York's the same way. I always describe yeah. for people that geographically and uh, not even topography, but geographically, we're like the Bay Area, uh, San Francisco, but we've got the vibe of New York, mm-hmm. right? Like, because there's Capitol Hill has a very distinct vibe to Queen Anne, to Ballard, to Beacon Hill, to Columbia City, to Maple Leaf. I mean, they all, Green Lake, they all have their own thing right. going on right. and what makes them very distinct. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, no, nobody's going to lose that. But, you know, it's kind of like businesses, though, too, because that vibe is based on who's there. Right. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Randy. Thank uh, you. Yeah, really, really appreciate great having to, having you on the show. Yeah. And hope we can have you on again here in the Love future. To. Heck, I want to do this over drinks sometime. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right, well, stay tuned. we got more Open House with Team Reba coming up right after just a real quick couple of messages. Open House with Team Reba on AM 1590. The answer. Now, back to Open House with Team Reba. Welcome back to Open House with Team Reba. Eric Oz is here from Homebridge Financial. And Reba has from Team Reba. Thanks for listening. And we're here every Saturday at 2 o'clock. Sundays at 3. And always on podcast. Yes, with over 260 
episodes in the hopper. Awesome. Yeah. Yes. Lots of good information. Love having Randy on. He gives a really good perspective of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Kind of looking forward, you know, because we're, we're dealing every day in the trenches with multiple offers on homes and, and you know, mm-hmm. the craziness of our housing market. We've seen the prices, you know, how, how rapidly they've, they've gone up over the last mm-hmm. couple of years. And what's it going to look like in 20 years here or 30 years here? Yeah. You know, is it going to get better? Is it going to get worse? I kind of mentioned earlier we're, we're, we're looking a lot like San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yes. you know, take our prices here, you know, for the same place in San Francisco, it's going to be a heck of a lot more. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're headed definitely headed that direction. Uh, but but we've got some options. And with some good planning, we can, we can hopefully yes. quell that a little bit. You know, I was actually a little surprised um, Randy didn't mention when we talked about like what, what can help us queue up mm-hmm. getting this to happen. I don't think I heard him say, start talking to your legislators. Yeah. He was like, pay attention. Do something. I'm like, but honestly, like be be part of advocating for it now. Don't just listen, but mm-hmm. start talking. Like, like he did say, let's start talking about it in a way that's not fear-mongering, but that is about how do we open it up of like, how do we make... Right. You know, this area stay in the way that it is while allowing because mm-hmm. people are not going to stop coming. No, They're it's not. too pretty here. You mm-hmm. know, we've got too many jobs here. Exactly. And that's not going to change. Nope. And um, so we, we have we, we have to figure out the solution. Mm-hmm. And the the lobby on, on the other side, sort of anti, you know, sort of an anti-housing lobby or especially anti-landlord lobby is very, very loud. Yes. And, and we have politicians it. who are, you know, have no experience running businesses, owning businesses, owning rentals, even owning their own homes. Right. Uh, that are trying to you know, make decisions and they're listening to the, the loudest mm-hmm. lobby and, yeah. and making bad decisions. Yeah. Well, and that's, well, it's uninformed because the thing is, is when you have a silent majority, most likely, and they're not hearing from that group mm-hmm. and they do hear the, the fear mongering side of it. Right. That then and people talk about political will, mm-hmm. like, so many times. In fact, I actually, it's its so funny, this just triggered a memory of mine when there was a political race going on last year. And I was talking to a gal who used to be like a, a campaign person. And she said, what bothers me is that the politicians nowadays, when a topic comes up, come to me and say, what should be my position on this, rather than actually having one. Mm-hmm. And so if they're going to be this persuaded just like it's like media coming at you every day, mm-hmm. you know what you're hearing one side of the story. I mean, that's I mean, honestly, Eric, it's one of the reasons I like that we do this show because I think that we give a different, more balanced kind of situation for people to listen Hopefully. to and hear. Hopefully, that yeah. isn't just the constant negative news right. coming at them and the fear-based. You know, because it's like let's take a thoughtful approach to this. This is the kind of conversations. Mm-hmm. You know, like I mean, I joke with, "Hey, Randy, let's go do this over drinks." But that's kind of really how you solve problems. Absolutely, it is. <laughs> uh, there's there's a perfect example I always like to use in history: uh, Ronald Reagan and Tip O'Neill. Mm-hmm. Tip O'Neill was was Democrat, you know, mm-hmm. leader of the House, and and those two would would fight tooth and nail during the day, mm-hmm. and afterwards they they go have a cocktail. Yeah, you know, they'd sit down, tell jokes, and and mm-hmm. they were they were professional they were they cared for each other they liked each mm-hmm. other 
completely diametrically opposed in their viewpoints. That's happened on the court too. Absolutely it has. And and that's the way it should be. Mm-hmm. We should that's the one thing I wish they would teach in school instead of mm-hmm. you know the opposite. We should all be able to have a, a dialogue you know, without everyone without should it, take debate. Yes, without it resulting in mm-hmm. screaming matches. Right. You know, because that's screaming happens when you've lost your argument. And right. You you can't win it. You just see well, if you can talk louder than the other person. I was on the debate team. No surprise, I'm sure to many. <laughs> um, but but here's the other thing. Like even in my company, everyone who joins my company for the last couple of years. We've been buying the book from Kim Scott called Radical Candor. Mm-hmm. And it's exactly about this type of thing. Radical Candor is, you know, you have to care authentically while challenging directly, mm-hmm. right? And that's when you get the best conversations and the ability to move forward on things. Mm-hmm. But when you have things like obnoxious aggression or manipulation mm-hmm. or these other kinds of things where, uh, you know, you're not really addressing things right. directly. Yeah. You're not helping. Uh, yeah, <laughs> not you're helping. not helping. Not helping the problem. Right. Speaking of obnoxious, you want it an rates? update on interest rates? <laughs> yes, please. I did tell you I wanted to hear that today, despite <laughs> sure. what it's going to sound like. I know. Well, you know, of course, it was a busy week in the mm-hmm. in the financial markets, and uh, the Federal Reserve, their open market committee, had their meeting. Fed meets mm-hmm. every roughly every six weeks uh, for weeks now it's it's been forecast that they would increase interest rates you know this week and they certainly did and um, the rate that they're increasing I always I've said this repeatedly on the show but I want to just kind of say it one more time when the Fed increases rates they are not directly increasing mortgage rates what they increase is the federal funds rate. The federal funds rate is a very short-term rate. It's it's an overnight rate that the banks pay, you know, when to, right. to balance their accounts with the Federal Reserve. And now it, it does not directly affect mortgage rates. It does directly affect other types of loans, mm-hmm. like if you have a home equity line of credit that's tied to prime rate. It's certain credit cards, certain auto loans, mm-hmm. certain business loans. Right. It will directly impact. So I'm not saying it's a it's a it's a nothing burger. It certainly mm-hmm. is important, um, but in the long run, with mortgages, it's it's actually a good thing. When the Fed increases their rate, it's seen as a sign of finally fighting inflation. And inflation is the enemy of mortgage rates. Inflation is the enemy of bonds because it erodes the value of a bond. And when we have inflation, that's what's causing our rates to rise. So the Fed finally making some moves to quell inflation is is actually considered to be a good thing. And the on the other side of it, the Fed also has accumulated almost $9 trillion in mortgage-backed securities. This is how the Fed runs the printing presses and and pumps money into the economy, and they need to start unwinding their positions, uh, unwinding their balance sheet. And when they do that, that actually crowds the bond market and has the opposite effect, and it, it, it further pushes rates higher. So we're, we're fighting that battle right now. You know, they're, they're trying to fix inflation, but on the other side of it, you know, they're, they're, um, they're offloading their balance sheet. That will increase rates, although doing that will also, in the long run, help with inflation because it's going to slow our economy down. And we, I believe we are past the tipping point of avoiding a recession. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to happen. Yeah. I think it's going to happen by, if, if it's not the end of the year, it'll be you know towards the beginning of next year. Um, we already have one down quarter. All it takes to, sh- to sh- officially be in recession is two down quarters. 
and uh, that's that's inevitable. I think it's 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 going to happen. I don't know how severe. I don't think it's going to be mm-hmm. a two thousand eight. You know, it's a whole different set of dynamics right now. Uh, but we're definitely oh, right. going to see the economy slow. Yeah. And uh, but in the meantime, rates are going to drift higher probably a little bit before they start to settle down. When we do go into a recession or the economy slows, rates will follow. They'll go down. Right. So if you're if you're buying a home now, if you're refinancing now, you know, really you, you might want to set a strategy to have a shorter term, you know, type of a loan or a lower cost type of a loan with the idea that that you'll refinance in a year or two when rates, you know, drift back lower. That's my full belief and expectation. So here's where we're at right now. The national average for a 30-year fixed rate conventional loan is 5.54%. That is up 0.66% from a month ago. Say that one more time. 5.54, five and a half. Wow. 15-year fixed rates, 4.88%. That's up also about 0.66 from a month ago. 30-year FHA and VA loans, 5%. Uh, that's up about 0.56% from a month ago. 30-year fixed rate jumbos, 4.7%, still below a conventional 30-year fixed rate. And and uh, those are up about a half a percent from a month ago. Uh, the jumbo programs we can use for any loan amount above about $664,000. And uh, we do that frequently to um, save people money. Mm-hmm. So here we go. You know, maybe next week will be a new week with the rates. Cross your fingers definitely doing that right now all right well thanks for listening everyone hope you have a great rest of your weekend listen to us every saturday too sundays at three talk to you soon thank you for listening to open house with team reba to contact us visit team reba at remax metro east side on facebook or email info at teamreba.com Join us again next Saturday afternoon at 2 for more Open House with Team Reba here on AM 1590. The answer. The preceding program was sponsored by Team Reba of Remax Metro East Side and Eric Osnes of Homebridge Financial Services.